0: Welcome to Capital Edge Church. We have a fantastic message for you that we hope challenges, inspires and moves your heart for Christ. Let's get into it. Well, this morning uh, we finish off our theme, Baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we've decided to leave uh, this topic till last. Um, So I'm going to teach a little bit this morning rather than preach. There's a little bit of a difference. And... um, Because I want to talk to you about the tongues of Pentecost. The tongues of Pentecost. Let's turn in our Bibles or open up our Bible apps to Acts chapter 2. And I want to read uh, 13 verses there and we'll be referring to this throughout the message. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya, around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. Amazing passage. Incredible passage of the word. You know, our congregation is made up of... Many different people from different backgrounds, church backgrounds and church understandings. And so this particular passage uh, is viewed in a lot of different ways. And so I want to talk about tongues of Pentecost today, but I I, I just want to say this, that there are teachings and interpretations about this passage that have been used to divide the body of Christ rather than to unite it together, to actively operate in the Holy Spirit's leading so that each one of us, all of us, can influence our world powerfully for Jesus. And it's important for us to understand that right at the beginning of this message. I remember going back some years ago now. I had a couple in our church come to me and they say, they, they said this, they said, Pastor John, we love Capital Edge. We love the people. We love the fellowship. We love the friendliness. We love the worship. Oh, the worship is so wonderful. They said, we love the preaching. We love the Bible-based preaching of this church. There's so much we love about this church, but we're leaving. I said, What? I said, why would that be? And they said, well, because we have learned that you are Pentecostal. And I scratched my head. Hence, no hair. Scratched my head. I said, I just don't get that. I just don't understand that. That listen to some... Guy on YouTube who had said that Pentecost was wrong, and, and and so they were leaving in spite of the fact that they loved everything about the church. So I just wanted to state right at the outset here that this isn't about an us and them. This isn't about those who believe and those who are naysayers. This isn't about drawing a line in the sand. Doctrinally, this isn't about any of those sorts of things. I just want us to understand right at the outset this morning that the expression and the experience of a spirit-filled life should always lead to unity. Yeah, just... yeah, come on. Hey, now, will there be differences in understanding? Sure. Will there be differences in interpretation? Yes, there will be. But if we are filled with the Spirit and if we are living life in the Spirit, it should always lead to unity. Amen? So, on that note, let me share with you three things about these tongues of Pentecost. The first thing is this it was an unlearned tongue, it was an unlearned tongue. The word used for tongues here in the New Testament Greek, in the original language of the New Testament, it's the word glossolalia. Glossal, what a great word, glossolalia. And it means more than just languages. See, some people look at that word and they say, oh, it just means languages, French, German, Italian, English. It means just a language. But it means so much more than that because this word glossolalia actually means an unlearned an unknown tongue, a tongue that has been spoken, a language that has been spoken by someone who was unlearned in that language. So we know that these tongues attracted a huge crowd when they were heard as a crowd of at least 3,000 people and that many, if not all, heard the amazing wonders of God in their own language is incredible? Wow. Scholars tell us that there's at least 15 languages, let alone dialects, that are represented in this particular passage. Now, it would be easy for us to take this line of thought. It would be easy to just say that, well, this was a supernatural event whereby the 120 in the upper room were given this ability to speak in languages, but for the purpose of evangelising those who were in the city at the time. Yep. It'd be easier to take that point, but to just think that actually denies the power thereof that's involved here. See, I want you to think about it. 120 people, Jews, most of them having never left their own Jewish province, Depending on what region they came from, they actually spoke Hebrew, or Aramaic and Greek. Maybe there were a few phrases that they had picked up from languages of merchant traders and, and, and the Romans. But to speak fluently in an unknown tongue, all at one accord at the same time and to attract a crowd of thousands... Many who responded afterwards to a salvation message given from an uneducated fisherman called Peter, a Galilean. Now, let me tell you something about the Galileans. Their dialect itself was in question by other Jews. They would listen to the Galileans and they say, oh, you're from Galilee. We can tell by the way you speak. It's a little bit common, a little bit like Queenslanders. Um, no, no, I don't mean that. Janine, please. <laughs> <laughs> We've got state of origin coming up. <laughs> Friends, this was a phenomenal thing. This was a spirit-empowered utterance. This was this was gobsmacking. This was Shaking in your boots. This was unheard of phenomena. Uh, To the people there, this carried the mark. This carried the sense of the God factor. There was no denying it. To imagine anything less is to deny the mighty, powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit that was going on here. There was no one in that crowd that was saying, Oh my, what a coincidence. All these people from different countries, all in the same spot, speaking the language and saying the same thing at the same time. I wonder who organised it. (laughs) There was none of that. There was instantly a recognition that this is the wonder of God. This is a miracle. This is amazing. This is profound. God has to be involved in this. It was an unlearned tongue. Well, Pastor John, I can get my head around that. An unlearned tongue, but nevertheless an earthly language to evangelize. Right? I, I can imagine that. But not only was it an unlearned tongue; it was a heavenly tongue. It says there: there was a mighty rushing wind. There was a mighty rushing wind. There was a breath. You might hear us talk a lot about the breath of the Holy Spirit. This is the air I breathe. The breath of the Holy Spirit. And the word here for that mighty rushing wind, that breath, the word is from the original language is the word pneuma, which means air, which means breath. It's where we get the word when we study the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. It's called Pneumatology, the air, the breath of the Holy Spirit. It's where we get that word pneumatic tyre from. A tyre filled with air. It's where that comes from, pneuma. And that's what this is talking about now. Stay with me in this. In the Old Testament, the equivalent word, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, Chaldean. Okay, it was written in a a different language. Uh, The equivalent word in the Old Testament is the word ruach, which means the same thing. It means breath. It means air. And it is the word used in Ezekiel 37, verses 9 to 10, that Rodney referred to this morning. Let me read it to you. Then he, this is God, said to me, speak a prophetic message. Speak a prophetic message to the winds Son of Man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live. We sang it as well. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet. A great army. Breath. Numa, Ruach, breath, God breathed. God breathed. God breathes and we speak. God breathes and we speak differently. Let's go to another verse, interesting little verse in the book of John. John chapter 20, verse 22. Jesus has been resurrected he appears before the disciples and this is what he does in verse 22 it says then Jesus breathed on them he breathed on them the disciples and said receive the Holy Spirit Receive. It's an interesting passage. I've heard all sorts of things about this particular passage, this particular happening. This, this passage is known as the insufflation. There's a nice word for you. The insufflation where Jesus breathed and said to the disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. And, and I've, I've wondered why did Jesus do that? And I honestly believe that I think he was actually preparing his disciples for the day of Pentecost that was to come. Because he already told them, make sure make sure you get in that upper room at that time. Because something profound of the Holy Spirit is going to happen, is going to take place. I think Jesus was doing this. He was saying, I'll supernaturally breathe so you'll supernaturally receive. You'll recognise. You will recognise that what comes from this breath of heaven results in the language of heaven. You see, this was not just an unlearned language. This was a heavenly language. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church of Corinth. Listen to what he has to say. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Hang on a minute. Wasn't it the language of the crowd? But Paul is saying here, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. So it's very clear here in the Word of God that this is a supernatural heavenly language given by the Holy Spirit. Peter, when he gets up after receiving uh, uh, this tongue of of Pentecost, he gets up and says, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel all those years ago. Okay, Pastor John, I I get it. I accept that this is an unlearned and a heavenly language. A a little bit like in my mind, a a special direct line between us and God. Yeah, I, I, I get that. It was an unlearned tongue. It was a heavenly tongue and it was a timeless tongue. And this is where the rubber hits the road for a lot of people. Tongues for today. Surely. Tongues, tongues for today, surely it was, it was just for that supernatural moment in time. It was the birth of the early church. It was the start of that age of the apostles. It was sort of like a shot in the arm to launch the most powerful movement on earth, right? Well, no, not right. Because let's read on to what Peter says. On this day, Acts 2.29, he says this. This promise, and if you look at the previous verse, it's very obvious that when he says this promise, he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit, not salvation. He's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. says, This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Now, let's, let's just break that down a bit. To you. So that's to you that are here and now. To you that are listening. Peter says, this is for you. But then he says, to your children. To your children. Now, some of those people listening may not even have had children yet. To your children. It's generational. That means it's more than just that moment. It's more than just that supernatural event for that point in time. Then he says, to those who are afar off, your translation might say to the Gentile. Now you've got to remember that at this stage, the gospel message hadn't even reached the Gentile. And so this is saying that this is going to reach out, this gift is available to those afar off. To the Gentiles. That this is going to reach beyond just the now, just the generation. And this is going to go to the far reaches of the world. That's going to take some time. In fact, that's still going on today. And then he says to those who have been called. Other Bibles will say those who are called. Because the word used there is, is past and future tense. And so what's what's happening here? Uh, We are being told that this tongues, this gift of the Holy Spirit is generational. Peter is saying that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit was explained in the book of Joel. And with that, he said this, he said, the young shall see visions and the old shall dream dreams. That's generational. It's also universal because The Gentiles who haven't yet heard salvation's message can receive this. And it's also invitational because God still calls men and women to himself today. This is a timeless tongue available today because God is still calling us to himself today. Okay, an unlearned tongue. A heavenly tongue a timeless tongue. I, I'm starting to understand this Pentecostal understanding and interpretation of the Word of God, but my question is this. Why tongues? Why, I'm so glad you asked because it's, it's, it's a very valid question. Why tongues? I mean, I mean, why not something else? Why not when you are baptised with the Holy Spirit, it's like a maker's mark? Appears on your skin. Got the guarantee. Got the mark. Why isn't it something... Why isn't it a certificate? Why isn't it some sort of supernatural ability that's reserved for those who receive the baptism? Well, I believe there is supernatural ability and we're going to be looking down the track at the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. But I'm talking about something so phenomenal that, that people notice... For example, why isn't it that as soon as you receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to fly? I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Why why not? Imagine uh, imagine what that would say to people. Imagine flying to work over all those cars, jostling for position. You're looking down, you're thinking, man, I need Jesus. Why tongues? Well, I think there's a number of reasons. And uh, first in the natural and then in the spiritual. So let me explain. Why tongues? Well, you see, firstly, our, our tongue or our language is the clearest form of communication. It's all about communication. In fact, even the written form can be measly, measly? easily <laughs> misunderstood. Measly as well. (laughs) But speech, speech can lead to incredible understanding. Not only the facts, but you can share the heart of your dreams and desires with others. You can share what's really on your mind with others. And so a supernatural tongue is a reminder... That we need the Holy Spirit's empowerment to communicate, to reach our world for Jesus. The Great Commission, go into all the world. It's interesting, it talks about every tribe, every tongue, every nation. You see, this great message of salvation that we have been given, it's more than just an argument. It's more than just reasoning, It's salvation that comes primarily through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's empowered communication. Why tongues? Well, our tongue or our language is most obvious evidence of our culture. You see, cultures are represented in lots of different ways, but cultures carry a certain definition of who they are in their dialect and in their language a supernatural tongue therefore it reminds us of something it reminds us that our primary culture is as a citizen of heaven And because we are enabled by the grace of Jesus and we are empowered by the Spirit of God, our words carry the resource and the culture of heaven to reach those who are lost and introduce them to Jesus. Why tongues? Well, our tongue or our language is the most difficult human expression to control. This is what James says. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Wow. That's what James says about the tongue. This is something that is hard to control. So when it comes to a supernatural tongue, it reminds us that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to have control of our lives, to have control. Why tongues? Well, our tongue or our language gives voice to our courage. We often speak out our courage or what we stand for, even if we don't necessarily feel it at the time. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you just feel the need to speak and you get up and speak your courage, you give voice to your courage while you're shaking at the knees? I've been in situations like that before. Before. And that's why declaration is so, so powerful. Yeah. Whether we declare the positive or the negative, it's powerful. Yeah, you, you declare something positive in faith over your life and it breaks things. Yeah. That's good, John. Come on. Yeah. Vice versa, you declare something negative over your life and it brings limitation. Yeah. Yeah. That's why declaration is such a powerful thing. Come on. Our tongue, our language gives voice to our courage. Whenever I think of giving voice to courage, I can't go past Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech at the Lincoln Memorial. You're all aware of that speech. It's a speech that changed the world. But some of you may not be aware of the background story behind that speech. You see, because when Martin Luther King gave that speech, it wasn't his intended speech on that morning. He had actually spoken that message some months prior at a little church and behind Martin Luther King on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, a whole bunch of leaders and pastors and one of the pastors had brought his little daughter along and it was this pastor and his daughter who he had spoken the message at months prior and she had been... So stirred by that message of I have a dream that when Martin Luther King got up at the Lincoln Memorial and shuffled his, his things around and was just going through a preamble, there was a pause. You'll notice if you watch the, the video, there's a pause. And there's a little girl that was shaking in her boots, felt compelled to say this to Martin Luther King Tell them about the dream. Tell them about the dream. The rest is history. The rest is... By the way, that little girl ended up having an amazing, powerful voice all of her own because her name was Aretha Franklin. Amazing, isn't it? You see, language gives voice to courage. Listen to what Acts eight says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, a supernatural tongue helps us understand and remember that there is a boldness that comes to be witnesses for the cause of Jesus Christ. Our tongue, our language is the most common way to connect. Through language, we connect to man, we connect to God. So a heavenly tongue helps us connect to a supernatural God. It's interesting, in Genesis chapter 11, we read a story about the Tower of Babel, where the word Babel comes from. The Tower of Babel. And what happens at the Tower of Babel is that man has become... Proud and conceited. And so they decide to build this tower so that they can be as God, it says. And so God sees these people and he scatters man because of their pride and their conceit and their desire to be God. And how does he do it? He, He does it through confusing their language. Now we flip over to. Acts chapter 2 that we've been looking at today and God gathers his people and in their humility and in their desire to glorify God not be God one of the signs is he restores a heavenly language You see, a supernatural tongue helps remind us that we're restored and connected back to God. So who's this tongue for? Well, there's five different incidents in the book of Acts where there is the baptism of the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. There's this day of Pentecost that we'll be talking about. There's the Samaritan believers. There's Saul of Tarsus who became the Apostle Paul. There's Caesarea with Cornelius and his family. And then there's the believers at Ephesus. Who's this tongue for? Well, at the day of Pentecost, it was for those who had journeyed with the Saviour. It was for those who had responded to His call and were faithful to Him. It was for the obedient and the faithful. With the believers at Samaria, the Samaritans were considered the lowest of the low in society. They were the outcasts. They were those who people would look at and say unworthy. And yet God had reached out to them with his grace and his mercy and see it was for the humble. Saul or Paul, Something you've got to realise about this great man was before he knew Jesus, he was an incredibly educated man. He was zealous for the truth and yet he was blind to the reality. At the very least, Saul was sincere. And this tongue is for the sincere. At Caesarea with Cornelius and his family, these were good and kind Gentiles who had found God but they were wanting a greater understanding you see tongues was for those that just had a heart after God and then the believers at Ephesus, they'd been saved they'd been baptised in water John's baptism but they wanted to embrace more They want to understand more. You see, tongues is simply for those who are hungry for more. For those obedient and faithful. For the humble, for the sincere. For those that just have a heart after God. And for those who are hungry for more. This tongue is available for everyone who has a relationship with Jesus. He just wants more of the Holy Spirit.